the pudding, and the pudding in this case is a football. Boom! Eat my goal! The goalie has got football pie all over his shirt. We have a returning guest, uh, the main man, uh, Wanderers President Derek Martin. Welcome back to the show, Derek. Thanks, Anthony. It's uh, great to join you, and thanks for uh, continuing to cover all things uh, soccer, but especially us. It's one of the best things that's happened to me since I moved to Canada was having like a, our own local team. So, you know, anything I could do to be a part of it, even if it's in a small way, uh, I'm definitely here for that. So, um I just thought we'd probably just go over some questions that I had and maybe you could answer some listeners' questions too. Um, sure. So the first question, uh, we're 11 games into the season outside of the Canadian Championship. Uh, I thought it'd be a good time to have a kind of a state of the union and get your thoughts on how you think the season's gone so far. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think it's met our expectations uh, by any stretch, but we're fighting and, you know, I, none of us could have predicted that Zhao would go down in the second game. Uh, we had really built our team around him as I think everybody would expect based on how well he's done since he's arrived in the league and especially last year. And, you know, we, we went into this year with some pretty high hopes that we had added some pieces around Zhao that would, you know, help him, you know, do even more. And, you know, then him going down in the second game uh, certainly threw us for a bit of a loop. And I, I'd say, I, you know, there's there's people that will always question the way we build the roster and the way we do things. But we learned kind of the hard way back in our first season that if you sign the full 23-man roster right out of the gate, you've kind of really handcuffed yourself around some adjustments you might be able to make as the season progresses, whether it be injury or certain players just not working out the way kind of you and they hoped uh, the season would go. So we wanted to give ourselves a little flexibility. And, you know, I think that has proven to be a good thing now because we were able to kind of sit back and, you know, now look at a international attacker as a replacement for Zhao that we can bring in and hopefully, you know, get us, uh, get us moving again in the right direction here in the second half. But I got to give credit to the, to the guys. I think they've battled hard. Um, you know, and uh, we're right in the thick of it still. We're in fifth place, so we're we're not too far outside of the playoff picture. And this league is a, a long season. And, you know, our goal from the get-go was to make it into the final four. And I think that's still well within our reach. Yeah, I mean, like in the last four or five games, I mean, like we've had a couple of victories as well. And I think everybody's going to look at those two Forge games as kind of like being the barometer of where we are. So it's kind of difficult to do that because... Uh, they are kind of like the best team in the, the best run club, I think, at, at the moment, just because of uh, what they had previously coming into the into the CPL with Sigma and, and things like that. So, how how do you think Air Club? Because obviously we don't have the same facilities and things like that. How are we able to bridge that gap to to get where Forge is, pretty much? Yeah, listen, I think Forge Forge has been the best team in this league for four years. You know they. They, they were upset by Pacific uh, last year and credit to Pacific, but they've been by far the cream of the crop ever since this league started. So they're the barometer by which we all have to judge ourselves. And I would argue that none of the teams uh, have come close to, you know, being able to match their success in a number of different facets. So, you know, we're, we're continually trying to kind of reach that level as you 
astutely point out, you know, they, they did have a head start um, smartly um, by, uh, by the folks at Forge to hire Bobby and Costa, um, who had been doing this for a long time and had great contacts and a great development system with Sigma. And they've been able to, to build on that. I think we've got some unique challenges here in Halifax. We don't have, you know, a very well-developed pathway. Um, we're trying our darndest to, to help and figure out how we can do some things to correct that. But, you know, realistically, that's not going to change anything in the next, you know, few years. That's the long-term play that we have to uh, try to try to find the best way to contribute and, and help. Um, for us, we've got to rely more on the internationals uh, than maybe some other teams because of that. Um, and we've got to try to find some diamonds in the rough. And I think we've, you know, done a fairly good job of that. I think Zhao was a amazing find by Matt um, and our team uh, kind of flew under the radar. I didn't nobody really knew who he was and he came in and, and has, has performed fantastically ever since. And, you know, Rampy, uh, I think is one of the best players in the league. Uh, you know, Stephen found him, you know, playing uh, basically semi-pro um, in Trinidad. So there are there are ways to find players. We're going to not hit on everyone, but uh, we've got to keep trying to unearth some talent that maybe some other people haven't uh, found yet. And, and, you know, then sell them on the experience of Halifax, which you're right. We don't have our stadium yet. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit. And uh, we're still working on our training facility, but. You know, we've got an amazing grass pitch, one of only two in the league, and we've got the best, you know, stadium fan experience by a mile, um, which which is attractive to players and, you know, makes it fun for them to continue being a professional football player when they've often, you know, they're often coming from some challenging places where they haven't had that same kind of experience. So, so you kind of... Um, on, on Twitter, uh, I, I saw that you kind of mentioned that I think it's July 7th you said that the international window opens back up again. So, yeah, that's do you, right. Yeah. Do, you, do you have a replacement in Joe in mind already, or is that when you start looking, or like was it like, oh no, yeah, no, we've been looking, uh, we've been looking since you know the uh, 90th minute of that Ottawa game. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have someone in here uh, for the beginning of that window um, that we're excited about and that we think we'll be able to make a difference. Um, and, you know, it's not by accident either that we, you know, structured the way we structured our team with Kareem Sal coming back and, you know, he's a great player, uh, but he's still going back to school. So that's going to open up another roster spot. Um, and uh, there might be a couple of other things that are happening right now where we've got a good chance to, you know, maybe have three to four or five new players joining the squad here in early July, which, you know, gives us a chance to address, you know, what we've now kind of found out as some of our weaknesses and, you know, maybe uh, accentuate a few of our strengths. And that was always a bit of the game plan. It's 28 game season. As you said, we're 11 games in. I do think it's a pretty good sized uh, sample. You know, we, I think we are, I'm a big believer. You are what your record says you are. And, you know, as you said, we lost seven, nothing to forge over two games and, you know, that's not good enough. So we're, we're a long way off of those guys at the moment. Um, and we've got to make some adjustments and some changes to try to get closer. You know, there's some mitigating circumstances with those two losses, you know, and just unfortunately with the timing of when we played them, we, 
kind of we're resting some guys the first time because of the big TFC match that we almost pulled off uh, coming up quickly after. And this time, unfortunately, we lost our two best players to illness kind of the night before and morning of. Um, and, you know, let's call it what it is. The truth is we're just not good enough to to be able to handle a loss like that um, that quick before a game and adjust in time. And we paid the price. You know, um, like a lot of fans appreciate how you're you're kind of open and honest. Uh, like you, you you will kind of tell us what's going on when asked and and things like that. But how difficult is it for you when you're not to take stuff personally? You know, like because like you're the guy you've basically built this up from nothing, right? I mean, it it, it must be difficult for you to somebody taking a pot shot at your baby. <laughs> how'd you kind of, how'd you distance yourself <laughs> well, from that? Yeah, it comes with the territory. I, I think um, I'm, I'm lucky. I, I think I told you this before in one of our chats, but I, I played quarterback in my former life in university. So I've been having people tell me I'm either great or I'm, uh, piss poor, terrible <laughs> since I was 18 years old. So I think, I, I think I've just become accustomed to, uh, you know, knowing that people are going to always let you know how they feel uh, one way or the other. And at the end of the day, all we can really do is, you know, put in the effort and do what we think is best. And, you know, I did say this on Twitter the other day, I should probably get off of Twitter. It's I've been advised by many people to get off of it, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, we, we, we're in a sport, we're in a competitive sport. Some days we're just not going to have it and we're going to go out there and we're going to lay a dud. And it, it's not an excuse um, by any stretch. And Jesus, no one wants to be leading the table and, you know, riding out into a home home field advantage with the playoffs more than I do. Um, but we're, we're still trying to build something here and we've, we've had to build it from scratch and I'm, I've admitted it a, hundred times and I'll keep admitting it. I'm still learning, you know, this particular sport and I've had to rely on people around me to, to help. And, you know, I still believe in those people. I think they put their, their effort out every day. And, um, you know, if, 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 if we can't pull it off soon, maybe we've got to reassess everything, but at the moment we're just fighting every day to try to, to try to get victories and we'll keep doing that. So what's been your, uh, your biggest eye opener? Cause like football, or soccer is like, it's kind of a, a business onto itself. So what's been kind of like your biggest eye opener of, uh, of deal of handling stuff in the business? Yeah. Great question. I, I, I've learned a lot. Um, you know, it, we, I, my background has been running events and other sporting events for a while. And, you know, putting on a soccer match is very, very different than a basketball or hockey or, uh, football. I've even done beach volleyball. You know, it's just such a different uh, level of intensity based on the fact that there's no stoppages. Um, and you really spend your time as an event producer with those other sports, trying to figure out how you're going to fill up all the extra seconds and extra minutes when the clock is stopped and there's timeouts or there's breaks or there's whatever. And, and in soccer, there's nothing. You know, you just go for 45 minutes or 47 minutes and then you, you take a quick break and everybody runs as fast as they can to pee and get a beer and get back in their seat and, and or, or get back to their standing position and and do it again for another 47 or 48 minutes. And and that's, um, you know, new to me. And, and really, I think what I've fallen in love with with the sport um, is just how you can maintain people's attention 
and intensity for that long of a period of time um, where you can't turn away because you might miss that one goal that's going to happen during the match. Um, but, but, but that, that's the beauty of it, right? That's what, that's what keeps your eyes fixated on the pitch the entire time. Um, and it's really, it's really interesting then for us to try to figure out how do we do some things you know, not to get into the fans don't love the boring business side of it, but, you know, you bring on corporate sponsors that help support the economics of you running the team. And, you know, how do you find ways to engage with them and give them opportunities before, or during or after a match to, you know, tell their story and do a promotion or do something fun for the, it's a, it's a really interesting, uh, different kind of a challenge. So, so I think I think I'd, I'd have to say that's one of the biggest things I've had to adjust to uh, from the business side, and then the sports side. And this is uh, I might get in trouble for saying this, but I've got to say, like I was, I maybe some of our success is the fact that I was one of those guys. Like I was the American football player who, when I was growing up, thought. Oh, soccer players, you know, they fall down all the time. They roll around on the ground They're Like, I believe that. Right. So I, yeah. I know when people say that, that I know what, I know where they're coming from. So I kind of know how to try to counteract it. Um, but now I've really developed this appreciation for how uh, tough they are when, you know, you're out there running your, you know, what off for 95 minutes at incredible speed and, guys are just coming at you and kicking you and doing everything they can to knock you down and knock you off. And then you got to get up and do it again three days later and fly across the country and do it five days later. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's become an appreciation for me of what these guys go through um, and, and how that sport's different and really doesn't deserve those typical North American uh, uh, slights that it gets around you know these guys and and what they what they go through during a game love it love it that's it's great to hear like it's uh it, it also helps that you've got the lunatics up in the kitchen uh just banging drums for 94 like, <laughs> it kind of keeps us all awake at the same time right so <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely it, it's it's one of the um again one of the one of the things i think that the pop-up stadium has allowed us to do is create each of the different zones that give everybody who wants a different type of experience, the place they can go to get it. Right. And yep. uh, the kitchen, the kitchen's amazing. The kitchen is by far, you know, I think one of our greatest selling features to new fans, you know, because they just come in and they're amazed at what the hell is going on and they're trying to figure out. And it's, it's, it's just something they've never seen before. Um, but then, you know, there's not everybody wants to be there. Uh, so, you know, you got your people that are sitting off to the side who are watching it and kind of enjoying it, but can also disengage from it and just watch the action on the pitch. And then as you get further and further away, you get into more families and you get into more kids and you get into the more corporate. And, you know, it's, it's a really, I think, an important piece of this that uh, sometimes other clubs might miss. Um, it's not a one size fits all experience. And, and, I, and, and being able to give people those different types of uh, uh, days um, when they're at the pitch, I think is a really important factor in, in our success. Yeah. I, I was talking uh, to um, uh, Gary, Gary Griffiths from, from a ways last night. And I, I kind of mentioned I, I was up in the, like, the kitchen myself for uh, 10 minutes and 
Jeez, it makes you feel old. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, I, I was like, after like 10 minutes, I was like, wow. Like, so I, I know we stand behind the goal so I can kind of watch the game. And it's just a nice, like, little buzz down there. I can kind of go grab a beer if I need to go for pee. I don't have to, like, yeah, ram through people. But it's, it, it's definitely, it's definitely an experience. And I think it's definitely part of the, the grounds. But you're right, though. It is kind of nice that if that's not for you, um, there is other options for you. And I think that, um, hopefully that when the permanent stadium does come along, that we're going to kind of keep that. Oh, hundred percent. There, there, there's no, like nothing. We, we would be the biggest fools in the world if we did anything to, uh, not try to enhance that in some way. Um, you know, get doing anything that eliminated that, uh, feeling. Now, that being said, I, I think we'll try to get some bleachers that maybe don't bounce as much um, <laughs> because every, yeah. every, every time, every time it gets going, my wife looks at me with a uh, look of fear on her face. Like, you know, where's the insurance company's phone number. But um, I, I, I think there's, there's some magic in uh, you know, what we've got there and we've got to make sure we try to keep. We, we kind of, at the start of the season, uh, kind of towards the end of the last season, the, the under 23s uh, team was kind of, uh, brought up and, and mentioned um, and I know we've got a couple of games that are potentially going to be coming up and, and things like that but yeah. where, where do you see that eventually going though because uh, like this team is going to be a feeder team for um, yeah. the main team it's going to have to be part of some sort of competitive league so where, where do you see that eventually yeah. going? Yeah, so we'll announce that next week. Uh, we'll confirm a series of games that we'll have this summer, which we're excited about. And we'll play a couple of them at the Wanderers Ground so our fans can uh, come out and watch them if they like and, and see some of the younger talent that's around, as well as a couple of the younger players on our squad who just aren't able to get as much playing time, uh, which is part of the purpose of this, right? Um, but, you know, this has been a long time discussion for us with Soccer Nova Scotia and the clubs and you know, trying, you know, we, with Stephen Hart, we've got a, a really unique situation where he ran Soccer Nova Scotia for a while. So he's kind of lived this grassroots side of the sport uh, for a long time. And he was involved, obviously, with Canada soccer. So we've seen it at the, at the highest level. And, you know, we're really trying to figure it out. And um, I don't I don't think it's a, a one size fits all answer. I know in our research when we were starting the team, you know, we we we're told, and then we looked into it a lot about, you know, some of the mistakes that had been made in Edmonton um, and why their fan base had, you know, dissipated so much over the years. And, you know, one of the things we kept hearing over and over again is that their academy system had, had somewhat backfired on them from a community engagement and fan standpoint, because there became there, there, some animosity animosity uh, was generated between the clubs and Edmonton around, you know, competing for players and, yeah. and players not then being in the club system, but going to uh, FC Edmonton. So we really wanted to, to stay away from that, especially when we're starting out and, you know, going to all the clubs and saying, Hey, we well, listen, just so you know, we're not, we're not looking to compete with you. We're not looking to steal players from you. We're, we're trying to be the top of the pyramid here that, make all the kids who sign up for your clubs, you know, aspiring to come play for the Wanderers one day. And, you know, we got to figure out how we're going to get there. And we had those conversations, we have those conversations and, you know, the, the gap that kept coming up over and over and over again is, you know, the, the, the kids in Nova Scotia, 
you know, get some good development and they, they have some great competition up until they're around 17 or 18. And then, you know, a lot of the good ones, you know, go off to university and kind of get pulled out of the system. And then there's a real gap from, you know, 18, 19 until, you know, really that's it. They, they lose a lot of the kids there. Um, and, and we decided that that's where we thought we could have the biggest impact to start is to get involved with trying to do something at that level. Um, and, you know, to be honest, we had some grander uh, plans. We were, we were trying to create, you know, uh, a version of a league one here in, in the Maritimes, uh, you know, over the course of the winter, but with COVID still being a, a thing um there was uh, still a little bit too much uncertainty and you know we couldn't pull it off the way we wanted but we're we're revisiting all of that for next year and we've had some discussions you guys have probably seen the news about league one ontario and league one bc and dino rossi now uh looking at a league one canada concept and we're very much in those conversations with those guys around how do we how do we help do that in the maritimes and you know pr provide that provide that framework that keeps kids in the game just that little bit longer where if they haven't had the chance to to shine if they just needed to grow another few inches if they just needed to put on another 10 pounds if they just needed an extra year to get their confidence or whatever it is um we think if we can do that that you know there, there might be two or three uh, players right now who, who don't look like they might be professional footballers, but, but who might, might evolve into that. Um, so that's what we're going to be focused on. And I think we'll, we'll do these first U23 games this year. If we're being honest, it's, it's more of a, you know, nod to just trying to do something. I don't, I don't know how effective it's going to be at, you know, improving the player pathway to do three or four exhibition games, but at least we're starting something, um, and I've always been a big believer in doing it versus talking about it. So I'd rather do something, even if it's viewed as not enough, uh, at least it gets us started. And then we hopefully can keep building on it year over year over year. And I think then eventually, obviously, the next step would be if that's successful and we've got a successful kind of U23 program league uh, concept, then we start to keep moving our way down. And then maybe we go to U19 and, and we're continually trying to figure it out with the clubs as to how how do we work with you guys and do they stay with the clubs until they're 17 and then they go to something with us or are we just a, uh, you know, top of the pyramid kind of thing over top of a, a league that's, you know, still supply is supported by the clubs, you know, lots of stuff we got to figure out. And I don't think I'm going to help. I'm not going to be the one to redesign the entire grassroots structure of soccer in Canada, but there's some, there's some pretty obvious things I think we could all be doing that it more or less just means get out of the way. Um, and, and, you know, that's something I think we all got to work on a little bit harder. Yeah. It's, it's great to hear that. Like you're, you, you know, that, that's always something that's been said about Edmonton that they kind of, um, <laughs> didn't do the best job of, uh, involving the, the, the clubs and what they were doing. And I think it's, it's a great idea that you're not trying to railroad them into the wanderers path or trying to like, like hoover up all the talent, but like there, there is an awful lot of players here that kind of go, missing you know as you said like they hit that 17 18 age and then they end up just playing like you know just regular yeah. men's soccer when they sh that they're they're better than that to be perfectly honest so it's great that somebody's trying to do something so we can kind of compete with 
Ontario because uh, I mean like it it's a huge advantage for Ford York Ottawa like that they have this pool of talent to, to pick from where we don't unfortunately yeah it is you know and it's it's it is it's just one of those things that we have to try to figure out there's no you can't cry about it like we we have to deal with it and uh you know yeah Ford Ottawa York they can sign a U18 development player a different one every week because they're all just you know, within a 20 minute drive of their facility, we unfortunately don't have that same opportunity. So, you know, we've got, uh, we got one player in now, Nick Gagan, who's, who's doing well, who's a U18 development player that we've got high hopes for. We're, we're talking to two others that we'd like to bring in, but for us, you know, we've got to find billets for those kids. We've got to find, we've got to basically take responsibility for them, uh, make sure they're fed, make sure they're taken care of, make sure they're not getting into trouble. Um, which is a little different than just them living at home and us giving them a call and saying, Hey, come sign with us for two weeks and, and play these next two games. And then we'll see what happens. Right. And it's just, you know, it's just what we have to figure out. We got to deal with it. So one of the questions that I was asked to ask you, just going back to the fans thing, like you've also got a great working relationship with the, with the privateers um, and the block 108 ultras. Uh, would you be open to working with a supporters trust in the future? If one was uh, developed? Uh, yeah, we've had some discussions with the guys that are trying to get the supporters trust, uh, moving. Um, you know, we've, we've had some discussions just about what that could look like and, you know, how it actually works and what the true, you know, goal of it would be like, you know, if they want to raise money for something, where does that money go? That doesn't circumvent, you know, rules we have as a league around, you know, declaring how much we're spending on certain things related <laughs> to players or coaches or facilities. So it's not, it's not super simple. Um, but, you know, we certainly appreciate, as I've told them when we met, you know, I, I love that you guys are asking and that you want to help and that we want to find a way to do this. We've just, I think got to keep working through it. And admittedly, I think I owe them a couple of things back. So that's on me, but uh, you know, they definitely, definitely interest. Um, we just have to, I think, tread carefully, so as not to kind of send ourselves down a bad path. You know, when you're talking about, like when I was talking about Edmonton, it's a good example, right? Like FC Edmonton didn't try to do anything bad. They, they, weren't, they weren't starting an academy to try and compete with the local clubs. They thought they were doing the right thing. They thought they were helping. They thought they were, you know, helping to raise the quality and get everything, you know, bring everything up a notch. Um, but you learn when you can kind of watch how other people go through their situations that even though they had the best intentions, it's just the way it worked out, you know, it turned out to be a negative. And, you know, I, I think that's one of the great things about our league being in existence right now. And I know everybody wants us to be perfect and make every right decision and do everything the right way, right out of the gate. But the truth is we're learning and, you know, hopefully we can learn from mistakes that other clubs make in other markets and they can learn from things we do wrong or maybe things we're doing right. And together we're trying to build up this little ecosystem of professional football in a country that has never really had it. And um, again, that doesn't, that's not to say no one's allowed to criticize us. You are criticism is what helps us get better because we listen and then we try to fix it and we try to get better. Um, but it is the reality of, of trying to start something new um, is we're all, we're all kind of learning from each other's mistakes and successes. And, you know, hopefully by the end, you know, or it's not going to ever end, it's going to keep going forever and ever and ever. Um, but we keep getting better at it every year. 
So just speaking of Edmonton again, is there any update on what's going on uh, with the situation there? Like, is there talks happening? Because, uh, you know. Yeah, no, I, I obviously can't say anything right now. But, uh, you know, what I can say is that it's very positive. I think we'll have some really positive announcements to make shortly. Um, there's great interest in uh, in Edmonton. Um you know, lots of people that we've talked to um, about being involved in that club and in that team. Um, we will have a solution there, and uh, I'm I'm really not concerned about it. We, as a as a group of owners, you know, all uh, agreed to 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 keep it going and to you know make sure that it was a sustainable project for the next person that came in. And you know, I I would stay in the next. Uh, in the next month or two, there will be some really, you know, good news around uh, the future of, of that club. It's great to hear. It's great to hear. So, um, you know, uh, we're coming out of COVID, you know, finally, all, all that kind of stuff's been, we're kind of getting somewhat back to normal. But how much, how much has the pandemic put your plans back? Like, you know, obviously, like when you drew up the plans for, starting the club you had like i'm sure you had targets of what you wanted to do so how, how far has the pandemic put you behind those plans yeah i uh geez it's you know two years of nothing right um there were you know we we really truly had one year um of doing this and then we had a year of you know, an Island games, which, you know, I'm really proud. We pulled that off and, you know, we were, we were kind of instrumental in helping to get that off the ground and doing it and, and work with the folks over in PI and Charlottetown. And at least it gave us something. Um, and then a half season last year. Um, and now here we are with what feels like truly our, our second, you know, real full season where we could go into it planning properly that it looks like we're going to get all our games it looks like we're going to be at full capacity we don't have to be you know trying to communicate these changing rules every week and um we can sign players and bring players in and so so you know we're, we're probably two years behind where we'd like to be um but i'll also say that and i've said this to, to quite a few people i'm i'm almost grateful in a way that the pandemic came when it did and the fact that we are thriving now this soon coming out of it um, because it shows me that what we have is real um, okay. and we've been able to connect with people in a way that could withstand something as dramatic and unforeseen as a pandemic and you know, the, the, the fact that we've been able to rebound and are selling out the stadium again with, you know, a number of new people and, 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 you know, we, we all, I'll share, like we went into the off season because we had had two years of people that had given us their deposits. You were probably one of them, Anthony, of, you know, pay their season ticket in the fall of, you know, 2019 for 2020 we have to cancel. We don't have the season in 2020. People agree, thankfully, and fortunately to leave the money with us as a credit. And we start kind of working down those credits with the, some different offers and then the games that we had last season. So the first time we'd really gone back to a lot of people was this, this winter. Um, and it was really interesting. We thought there were a lot of people that were just because they'd kept coming and used up their credits that they were still, 
you know, with us, but, but we found out that a lot had had their situations change and they had lost jobs or they'd had to move away or they had had, had to have different things. So we had to rebuild, um, our season ticket base in, in a bigger way than we thought we would have to. Um, and, and that's been one of the most encouraging things to me is that we were able to do that. And, and there was still so much excitement and energy around what we were trying to do um, here, you know, really kind of gave me a sense of, man, like, I, I think we've really, like, I'm not as nervous as I maybe was even, even during the first year of maybe this is just a one year phenomenon and maybe people will get tired of it or, you know, now I feel like, no, no, like people are, people are into this. Like we've, we've figured out something here that I don't feel like can all fall apart um, anytime soon. You know, we've got to make sure we don't lose more games for nothing, but you know, there's a, there's, there's, there's something real, you know, which I think, you know what I'm saying? Like there's yeah. just, there's just a real, there's a real, there's a real connection between the team and the fans and, and the club and what we're trying to do. And, and I know people like to get, you know, up in arms about maybe what's happening in York with attendance and, you know, or Edmonton. Um, but listen, like even in those markets, like we're, 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 we're not, we're not going backwards. We're, we're building things up and there's some mitigating factors. I think Ottawa's proving to be doing better. They're growing, they're getting more fans. Pacific's doing really well. Calgary's doing really well. Um, you know, there's some good stories out there about about how this is continuing to come out of COVID, um, and, and and you know, not to always be a glass half full guy. And you're more of a glass half empty guy. I'll be the glass half full guy. <laughs> Thanks, um, man. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's your it's your thing. It's so it's good. It's good. You and you and Gary make a good team, right? <laughs> um, but 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 you know, I, it's it's really exciting for me, and I think I think we're I think we're I think we're set up for a long time, and you know, we'll transition into the stadium discussion, but I get, you know, I, I, I get asked all the time, well, what if you, we build this and you guys fold and, and the league goes under and there's nobody around in a couple of years, which is a real, you know, I get it. And it's a, it's a, it's a fair question. Um, but I just, I just don't see it. I, I think, I think this sport um, in this country and with what we're doing at the CPL level, I think we're, we're here to stay. Um and it's, it's going to be a really fun next 10 years with uh, 2026 as kind of the anchor uh, to watch how this sport grows and how our league develops, you know, over that time. Uh, like the, the biggest advertisement for the league is the, the people that go. So, you know, I've seen a lot of new people myself this season and it's all those from such and such told me and that's why I'm here. And then they just get hooked. And a lot of times it's not always got to do what's on the pitch. It's the, it's the atmosphere. It's the kind of, we're all together kind of thing. And I think that's a, a maritime thing maybe. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely think that um, we, we kind of have a core of people that will come in, but will keep coming, but it's great that the new people are coming in too, because you kind of need that freshness around it too, you know? So I'm, I'm really, I'm yeah. really glad to hear yeah. that we got, um, new season ticket holders and i think that's where the club is going to keep growing and growing and growing and why we need the new stadium so just moving on to that that's probably the worst segue in history but why did you <laughs> <laughs> what did you why do you think uh like you know last month uh every time i turn on tv you were there talking about the stadium so why do you think then that was the time to come out and uh like 
really start pushing for the, the permanent stadium? Well, listen, I've been, I think I've been super transparent with this from the first day I was ever asked. And, you know, we never built this pop-up stadium with the intention that it was the long-term solution for the club. I, I have been in this industry. I've been involved in, for a long time, I've been involved in sports my whole life. Um, I get so frustrated watching this stadium debate go back and forth in Halifax for the last decade um, that, that I just truly believed um, and I will continue to believe this. And I, I believe I've been proven right that we need a right sized 10,000 seat stadium in the heart of downtown Halifax. And I said that, you know, eight years ago, I said it four years ago, and I say it today, and I'll say it in four years, because, you know, this idea of, you know, letting some developer come in and basically steal a bunch of land on some promise of a big Goliath of a stadium that is too big to ever really get full for a sport that no one really cares about in this marketplace was always, I thought, and I'm a football fan. Like I, I played mm -hmm. university football. I grew up in Hamilton as a Ticats fan. Like I, this is coming from a guy who likes the sport a lot. Um, but the economics never made sense. Um, and I, I live here. I, I walk around on a, a, a CFL game day and see the game not on in any bars around Halifax. And I see Grey Cup Sundays without any parties being thrown. So you know that it's just not part of the culture. Um, but I always thought that, you know, venue makes a huge uh, difference. Um in, in putting on an event. And I knew that if we did something in downtown at the Wanderers grounds that we could get casual fans, even if they weren't hardcore soccer fans and that they would just come and find the whole experience uh, intoxicating and, and want to come back. And, and I think none of that has changed for me. I think we've got the perfect location um, in HRM for a stadium. I, the fact that people would even question that is just mind-boggling to me but it's it's always because there's ulterior motives at play um and they want for other reasons it not to be there um but it's it's perfect you know it's it's a perfect location um and and the other thing i learned a long time ago is you know it's a funny thing people always you know want bigger and they want more but sporting events specifically they have to have the right number of seats for the number of people you can get. Um, and the Wanderers is the most perfect example of that. If we were in a 30,000 seat stadium, we wouldn't get 30,000 people. We would still get around the 6,500 people that we get. And it would, it would be a much, much worse experience. Um, and, and I think, you know, the beauty of what we're trying to do and what we're proposing is we want to build something that has the ability to be a bit bigger because, you know, we will get a little bump with the excitement of a new venue and people actually being able to go into a proper washroom and not use a porter potty and <laughs> being able to wash their hands and all of those things that, you know, we should be able to take for granted. Um, 
but but we also aren't going to build we're not going to overbuild it we're going to we're going to build maybe a thousand more seats to start um and then have the ability to expand and add more because we want the place full we want you to walk in and feel like you're surrounded by all these other people and you're lucky that you got to be in there um and 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 that i think is just so critical to creating the right kind of fan experience um that we we really need to make sure we we maintain that and it's why the wanderers grounds can work you know we've we've done our research and we know we can fit on the existing footprint that we have up to a 10 to 12,000 seat venue um you know there's there's no debate it, it, it can fit it can work um and that's that's what we're we're looking to do and you know you say why did it pop up a month ago after the tfc game and the reality is I was asked, I was asked by Paul Hansworth in a CTV interview. And, you know, I didn't feel like I had to keep um, avoiding the question. Uh, the reality is we, we were given a three-year lease when I originally pitched the city on this concept back in 2019, that three years obviously expired. We were given a two-year extension, I believe. Um, because of COVID to make up for the two years that, you know, that kind of took away from us. But that means that, that, that agreement is coming up. Like we, we, we didn't get it in perpetuity. Like we, we weren't told you can keep this pop-up stadium there forever. Uh, nor did we want that because we said from the beginning, this is a proof of concept to show you guys that this is where it should be. Stop all this crazy talk about trying to build something bigger out in the middle of nowhere. This is, this is where it makes sense to put it. Um, and after a couple of years, we'll prove that this that we're right. And then let's talk about, you know, investing in a proper uh, facility, sports and entertainment, outdoor sports and entertainment facility for Halifax that we have never had. And and that's where we are. So, you know, I think it's time to to start talking about it and to try to figure out what the model looks like. Um, we're willing to be a partner. We're willing to to be a long term tenant that that calls it home, just like the Mooseheads call the Scotiabank Center home. Um, and like, let's go. Um, now that obviously blew up, and because it's a stadium discussion, everybody, every past stadium discussion for the last decade gets pulled out of the the drawer, and everybody wants to say why they hate the idea or they love the idea. Um, but I think we have a very different proposal than anybody's ever had before. You know, we've we're a team that has a fan base. We we're real. We exist. Um, we're in a, we're in a place that's had a stadium on it since 1882. Like this it really shouldn't be that complicated. Um, but anytime you talk about public investment, um, rightly so there should be debate and there should be discussion. Um, you got to listen to, you know, any vocal minority group that has an opinion and, and let them have their time, which is fair. Um, and then I think we need to say, what's the best thing for, you know, the citizens of Halifax and for a city that's growing every year and, and becoming bigger and better. What, what, what do we want? Do we want to, you know, stadium in the middle of the downtown that's you know, made out of uh, scaffolding and portable toilets, or do we want a proper, you know, facility that not only can be our home, but can be the home of, you know, other potential teams, other potential events, uh, other things. Right? So, so for me, I moved here in uh, 2010 and I always remember the Wanderers Grounds just being this basically like a barren piece of land that had a couple of goalposts on it um, and not much, it just seemed to me like it just a waste of a, a good space downtown. 
Um, but you know, the friends of the commons, I, I get their fears because the commons is like it's a public land and they don't want it to see a shrink and they feel that it's people encroaching on the commons themselves. And I know that when the oval came along, that might be an issue too, and stuff like that. So what 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 do you say like to them to allay the fears that this isn't just for you guys to make money and for you guys to like make the city pay for it. Like, so what would you say to them like for like what this will actually bring to the city like in, in terms of uh, like public use? Yeah, we, we don't make money. I, I don't know. I don't understand that argument. We don't, we don't make money from a stadium. Um, we can keep doing it the way we're doing it. We could never invest in a proper stadium because no bank is ever going to give us the financing to build something like that without any lease, like without a long-term lease that they know that we've got a long pathway to do it. So is it, you know, and, and I can understand the argument people may make that say, yeah, but you know, when you have a nicer facility, then you're going to make more money. And that, that may be true. Um, but at the end of the day, this is really for the city and for the fans and the citizens and who goes to it. Like we can keep doing it the way we're doing it, um, which I don't think any of us want. Um, and we won't be able to grow and eventually we'll get passed over by other teams in the league who can continue to, to do things the right professional way. Um, but if not, you know, we're, we're going to get stuck really quick. Um, and as for the friends of the commons, you know, I think they're an interesting group. I, I, I don't disagree, as you just said, with their basic premise of trying to protect the lands in the commons. I do think it's one of the great, assets we have as a city that we do have this green space but i also think they lose the plot a little bit sometimes because they're so they're so focused on just fighting and trying to stop everything that they don't allow sometimes the things that make sense and you know i would argue that the oval is a tremendous addition to the city of halifax you know, I, yep. I, I love, I love that there's a ton of green space that people can walk their dogs that, you know, there's a group of guys that go out and play cricket every Sunday there. I used to play touch football on the commons on a couple of the football fields that are there. There's baseball diamonds. I love it. I love that there's all that different activity, but this group was against the oval because it was changing what it looked like. And I, I, if you go down there on a winter Saturday and see hundreds and hundreds of families couples people out skating on a cold winter day i don't know how you could ever say that that was a bad idea versus it just being a barren piece of ground that in the winter is covered in snow and no one's using um and it's it's you know they've argued against the pool and the splash pad that's going in now and it's like well isn't that good for you know a growing city that have people that are now being living downtown in smaller apartments or condos because they can't afford bigger houses and they shouldn't have a place that they can go and take their kids to go play in a hot summer day and have a public spot. Like that's a, I think that's a great thing. Um, and I, and I look at us in a similar way. I'm like the, the wanders grounds wasn't an open piece of land. Um, if you look at it, there's been a wrought iron fence that has gone around the Wanders grounds for as long as I think anyone can remember. It's not open to the public. It was always that you had to book it through the city to use it as a sports field. If you actually ask any of the sport organizations, they'll all tell you that no one used the Wanders grounds 
because it was a really crappy piece of grass and it got waterlogged anytime that it rained. So no one could really plan to use it. And the reality is that, and we've got tons of pictures that show this in the 1800s and early 1900s, it had a giant bleacher on it. And it was the only place in Halifax that people went to watch outdoor sporting events, whether it was boxing or rugby or baseball or all these other things throughout time. So, you know, I, I get that you want to protect the common, um, but all we've done, and we're really proud of it, I'm really proud of it, is we've brought the Wanderers Grounds back to, I think, the respectable state it should have always been maintained in. And, and now that it is, we get 6,500 people about every, you know, week, week and a half, two weeks that get to come down and enjoy it. And, and in the, I don't know why anyone would, would, would want it to go back to the way it was, which is just a closed off, empty field um, that gets used sparingly by different groups. Um, so I, I get frustrated with that one, maybe more than any other, um, because I just, I just don't think it makes any sense. Like everything we're doing is about bringing it back as a community asset. It's not going to be mine. I'm not going to own it. Uh, the city's going to own it and the city's going to be able to rent it out and people are going to be able to use it. Now, if you really want to talk about why usage is low, it's because we have a grass pitch. The city wanted a grass pitch. When you, I, I love that it's a grass pitch, but the reality with a grass pitch is that you have to limit usage on it or else you'll rip it up. So, you know, we, we can't put, we can't send a bunch of U11 kids out on it every single night. We can't, you know, have different people using it every single day, because if you do that, it's going to get ripped up. If, if that's what people want, then you have to turf it. If you turf it, then you're going to lose something because you're going to lose a little bit of the magic of what makes it really unique. And we're going to lose the ability to attract international soccer teams we're going to lose the ability to attract international rugby teams because now you're just like everybody else in canada that has an artificial surface so it's not a perfect answer but you know you, you got to make choices and 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 people like to put things in these little narrow you know uh their little narrow view plane and say well it should be this well it's like well you know, ask Brad Lawler at Soccer Nova Scotia if they think the Wanderers Grounds should be a Class A prime field reserved for professional football, or if they think it should be used by minor soccer kids. And and they'll tell you, no, like we do need more fields, we need more facilities, but not there. We need that to be the place that little kids go to be a spot to be inspired to try to, you know, work harder and keep playing so that they can one day be a professional player. Um, but, but, you know, people, people for their own reasons want to, you know, make arguments that just try to knock something down without really, you know, thinking it through or, or asking the people that they're actually trying to say they're supporting to, to back up what their comments are. So, sorry, that was a bit of a rant. No, 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 not at all. And uh, like, you know, it, it's good that you get to, to, to voice it. Um, but the, what's your vision for the stadium? What, what, what like, you know, if you get, perfect world that the city goes like yep we're in uh this is a great idea like we want to have international rugby coming here we want to have rugby sevens coming here so what what do, you, what do you see the stadium being what do you what, try and paint a picture for people what it will actually look like yeah well, well we'll share uh we'll share our renderings soon um 
you know, we just we just have to cross a few a few more T's and dot a few more I's. But I'd say within the next couple of months, we'll share our vision. Um, but you know, it, it it I don't know how to describe it using words. It, it'd be a very um, uh, a very tight, um, very uh, cozy kind of environment. Um, we've looked at a. A horseshoe style design to start uh, with, you know, three sides covered with a roof, uh, given our great weather here in, in Halifax. <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're having some really, really interesting, great discussions about how to make a stadium today uh, more environmentally friendly, um, you know, whether that's solar panels on the roof, whether it's, you know, living walls on the side, um, we're, we're, we're very aware of where we are, you know, uh, we, we want to fit in with, you know, the, the, the neighborhood, so to speak, we know the public gardens is across the street, we want it to, to look good and fit with that we aren't envisioning this gigantic concrete structure at all. Um, you know, the cladding that we choose, you know, we think would be appropriate um, for the location. Uh, we need to create some, you know, plaza slash, you know, entry zones to be able to get people in and out of the facility. Um, we'd have an open end to start where perhaps we, you know, continue to use our shipping containers um, in some way at the start, uh, because I do, you know, I do like them. I, I think it's, I think they're really <laughs> unique. And I think it's, I it's think very quaint for, yeah, it's quaint and it, it, it's, you know, God, we've invested a ton of money in them. So, so maybe we keep using those in some way in the one open end. And then eventually when the time is right, we could look to add a fourth, you know, roofed uh, section in on that end. But, but I, I think the key is, um, you know, making sure it's, it's the right size and the right, scope um it's got to it's got to maintain the charm of, of what we have now while adding some very basic amenities you know we we need seats we don't we don't want metal benches um we want a roof uh we want proper washrooms we want proper food and beverage areas you know we the reason we have to do food trucks is because we have no running water so we can't have hand washing, which is a requirement for anybody with a restaurant license uh, to, to be able to set up a, a vending area. You know, these are some basic things that, that we think, um, you know, we should really have um, in, in, in a location that's bringing 6,000 plus people down to it every two weeks. I know you have to go, so I don't want to keep you any longer. I just wanted to say that a couple of weeks ago, my friend Dave, um, his wife dropped his wallet into one of the porta potties, and oh it, my took, God. It, it, took, it took a lot of it took a lot of fishing for him to to get it back. <laughs> so for Dave's sake, for Dave's sake, I hope to good God that the CDC sense and everybody sees sense, and we get to have a permanent stadium with some decent washrooms. <laughs> Yes. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that happened to Dave. I'm sure it happens way more than it um, than I hear about. But uh, yeah, you know, listen, it's it's uh, it's an unfortunate it's it's one of those things where, again, sometimes you look around um, on a good day. I, I, I wasn't able to look around with any uh, common sense on Sunday. But, you know, if, if, a, if a game's going well and you, you look around and you just watch, you know, everybody there having a great time. 
and then you realize really what's underneath of it all and what we're missing. It's truly, I think it's truly amazing, you know, that, that every, and, and we're, we're so lucky that the people here are so easygoing in so many ways um, that people just kind of shrug it off. And like, yeah, well, oh, well, you know, it sucks, but you know, I got to go. That's just what I got to do right now. I just got to go visit the porter body. Um, and it's a great testament to our fans and to, you know, the people at Halifax that they, they don't let that be the reason they don't come or they don't let that be the reason, you know, they, they talk badly about, you know, what we're trying to do or where we're trying to go. It can be a minor annoyance for sure, which is fair. Um, but, but we've, we've, we've managed to not let that be an issue. Um, and, and I think that's a really uh, a great testament to the, to the folks that are here. And I, I think as well that uh, you guys are always, really open to the feedback and stuff for that. Cause I think the first game at home, uh, there was a lack of facilities cause that new one had opened. Um, and yeah, as, as yeah, soon as yeah. that, as soon as that was brought up, you, you fix that the next game and it wasn't an issue. So, you know, it, it's great that you guys are always waiting, wanting to hear from the fans to let you know what's going right and what's going wrong. So Derek, I really appreciate taking the time. I know you're a busy man. So, uh, Yeah. Let's uh let's let's hope that we get yeah, to see this, uh, yeah let's hope we get to see the stadium soon and uh we, we start climbing up the table. Yeah, let's uh I think both things are gonna happen. So uh let's go. Glass half full. All right, buddy. <laughs> That's care. right. All right, man. Okay, see you the next you. game, man. Thanks, Mel. Appreciate it. Okay, take Cheers. care. Right foot, please. Time to drink on both. Get out. Out to box.